Hello and welcome to the Transfer News Central podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Bentley, once again, and I'm joined by Tech and James. Hello. Lovely to be here. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to lie, it's me. (laughs) So there's lots to discuss, uh, lots to discuss in England and abroad uh, in terms of transfer action and speculation. So without further ado, let's get into it. You've heard that before. You've been listening to my AutoQ videos for this YouTube channel. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) so yesterday, of course, we were sort of brought back to the Paul Pogba saga with uh, his agent, lovely agent Mino Raiola, who definitely doesn't like stirring up things or, or causing trouble, suggesting that his client Pogba would prefer to move away from Manchester this summer. Well, it's not exactly um, breaking news because he sort of hinted this a few weeks ago anyway and then the speculation died down, there wasn't much said, so Raiola thought, this is perfect opportunity to jump in and stir the pot even more, which he has. What a guy. I know, we love him, we love him and these super agents they make football such a wonderful sport and place to be. But, what do we think then about this? Because this is United's best outfield player you can't hold a player to ransom because it never works out well. And I know we discussed this a bit before, but now this is going to be more of a central topic. You know, why can United not demand £140 million for someone who is clearly one of the best midfielders in the world on his day? I fully think they can. And I think they're in the right. He's got three years left on his deal. At the end of the day, it's a shame because I thought he would be this sort of figure point for United, especially under Solskjaer. They could sort of move forward and have, he's your world-class player and everyone knows it. You only have to look at the stats from last season to see that. And what he does for United, even when they don't have a great season, their season would have been a hell of a lot worse without him. And I just think that they can demand this this kind of money from a club like Real Madrid or Juventus, wherever he's going to end up. It just doesn't help when you have agents like Mineroia. Like You don't even know. Like Until Pogba says something, you've got no idea. He's using his representatives to say what he feels he wants or what is important to him. I get his need to want to play for the best clubs and I feel like everyone want to play for um, Real Madrid because that, that's like always this pipeline dream in football. But it's just a shame when a relationship between a club and a player has to end so depressingly. Unceremoniously. Yeah, it never looks great and it can't help the dressing room of the players all coming back for pre-season and now we've got this going on. I think United's biggest issue is not going to be the effect if Paul Pogba leaves. It's going to be, we've mentioned it before and I've mentioned it before, that they struggle to replace players. They still haven't replaced Ronaldo and they've tried several times. I mean, to be fair, it would be quite difficult to replace one of the best two players in the world. Yeah, and no, and I, and I fully get it, but Paul Pogba leaving now, because this he's not going to go tomorrow. I'd be very shocked if he did. This is going to drag on and then they're going to have a week to buy someone that's going to be close to his quality. And by that point, you're going to see players already gone. Of shock that I haven't seen United linked with more is uh, Yuri Tielemans from Monaco who was on loan at Leicester last season, it seems that he's going to complete a deal to Leicester now. And that's £40 And I can guarantee you, if he plays well for Leicester, United will go back in for him two seasons from now and pay £100 for him. Because that just seems to be their sort of thinking and transfer strategy. Mm. It just He's a good replacement there for the future for Pogba. And they're not even sniffing. Yeah, well, just to bring you in, James, actually, with this. So they used to have, uh, I was reading, actually, this transfer policy in certain years for United recently was the Galactico strategy. They got Zlatan, got Pogba, they got uh, Mkhitaryan, who was one of the Bundesliga's best players, and they were sort of going for these big marketable names and look at us, we're like the Harlem Globetrotters Real Madrid kind of look at us kind of team. So would selling... Are you okay there, Charlie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I am, I'm fine. I just, it, it was just overpowered by all the star names I was. Wow. Um, 
But what I would say, what I was just going to say is, if they sold Pogba and they replaced him maybe with a lesson, they seem to be going for the smaller names now. They're not quite as big marketable names. Would that be sort of a, a sign of a changing of the ways or trying to get rid of the ego that manifests in this United dressing room and trying to sort of rip the scrapbook up and start again? Absolutely. Absolutely. As, as, as an outsider, you know, not a Manchester United fan. I mean, he's a great player on his day. He's been one of their best players when he's played well since he's come back. He's a disruptive influence. He causes more problems than he solves, as far as I'm concerned. And it's so important, a top team, to have good team spirit, to have people working together, not have one ego dominating everything, to not have one rule for one person, one rule for another person. Um, I've seen Manchester United link with Bruno Fernandes, which would be an excellent signing um, and a, a, a proper replacement. And actually, I'm not, he's not a better player, but he's a younger player and he's, he's... He's got less of the baggage. Yeah, he's got less of the baggage and he's more of a team player. Like, you know, he wouldn't have as big wages. He wouldn't have this circus around him all the time because he's not a Galactico, but he's a very good player. Um, and I actually heard today that uh, Real Madrid might be wanting to offer Isco and 75 million or something for Pogba. And if, if, uh, to be honest, if I'm, if I'm Man United and I get offered that, I'm taking it because. Although, although Isco's got a bit of a, an ego about him as well, hasn't he? Uh, I suppose a lot of the top players do. But not in anything like Paul Pogba. I mean, he's not got a media yeah. circus around him. He's not got Riola. You know, Riola is the biggest problem here, honestly. Yeah. He's an absolute cancer in football. Like, And I, hate, I don't like using that word because it's a bit. He's such a bad influence in football. I mean, like Pep Guardiola won't buy any players that are his clients because of who he is. Chelsea don't want to work with him as well. I know that. Chelsea just don't deal with it. And if a player is represented by Raiola, he will not be going to Chelsea. I can tell you that. And because he's only interested in himself. And I, I remember a comment by Romelu Lukaku ditched him as his agent. And this, we don't know how true this is, but he said that when he left Everton, he told Raiola he wanted to go to Chelsea. Chelsea had indicated they wanted to buy him. Raiola said, I'm going to go to Marina and talk to her, Marina Granovskaya, and talk to her about this and stuff and try and get it done. Came back to Lukaku and said, I couldn't get hold of Marina if she didn't want to meet me. We can't get that deal done, so I'm going to send you to Man United. And it turns out he never even met her. He was pushing him to Manchester United all along. Wasn't Mourinho United manager at the time, though? Yes, he was. Yes. Mourinho is United. I mean, Conte, Conte has wanted to work with him yeah, since he was yeah, at Juventus. Yeah, yeah. He wanted him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what you he meant. Wanted, yeah, Conte yeah. wanted him at Juventus. He wanted him at Chelsea. He wants him at Inter. He wants him at Inter. And I think there's a mutual kind of desire to work together. But it's the, yeah, it's Raiola is the problem. And, you know, he's the one that's driving this more than Pogba, even, I think. Yeah. Well, just to throw that back at your deck, obviously, we've got Pogba as this big problem, this big sort of uh, virus, I think uh, some, somehow had him described as in the United dressing room. But it's not just Paul Pogba, is it? He gets highlighted quite a lot. A lot of these things, I feel like, maybe a bit blown over the top. When you know you look at some of the other players, I mean, Jesse Lingard likes to enjoy himself, doesn't he, off the field with certain antics on Snapchat or or Instagram, very social media heavy. I think he did. I think there was that. I remember that story broke when United lost quite a big game in the league, and then he he was promoting his um, clothing brand. Obviously, it was probably a scheduled tweet or whatever, a scheduled post, and he came in for a bit of criticism there. I'm not saying that was necessarily his fault. It's not just Paul Pogba, is it? I mean, it is a collective kind of, you know, attitude that maybe isn't quite right at the club. There's not too many people who are going to grab people by the scruff of the neck. Actually, before I bring you in, maybe when Ibrahimovic was there, he was that kind of player who sort of said, you know what, Jose is the manager, let's get behind, let's play for the shirt. Like, you never got the sense of any mutiny when Ibrahimovic was here. No. Because he was almost like Jose Mourinho's second-hand man. He was almost like a, a leader, a, a warrior who was willing to fight for the club. 
But he definitely got to that age now where if you look at him when he was at Barcelona, he was that sort of player like Pogba is now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he, yeah. That's come with experience and he's been through it all and he's always been a, a world-class player. He was amazing for United the brief time that they had him. Do you know what I mean? Let's not forget that. that he, he, he I never, loved him. Like, he'd never I been in the him. Prem and he was fully performing even though he's t- he was towards the end of his career. And it, it's a real shame that he couldn't stay longer because United could do with him big time. They could do with a goal scorer like him. Um, and just his presence. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I do think people are a bit harsh on players like Jesse Lingard and stuff because they do get targeted because they're English. And, and Pogba. Yeah, and I, I fully agree with Pogba. But when you choose to have an agent like Mino Reola, you're sort of asking mm-hmm. for it because we're seeing now that what's happening with Tyus Delict is that this has gone on for far too long. Before it was like, oh, it's been delayed because he's been on holiday. Oh, now it's been delayed because they can't agree a fee. And this is like four, the fourth or fifth club this window. And you know that Matthias De Ligt is probably not bothered or he's probably seems a pretty nice guy. And you know this is just Mino Reola looking where he can get the biggest agent bonus. He can get the biggest bag of money. And that's just what it seems like. It seems like the football is not important. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Delic wants to yeah. go to Juventus because yeah. he wants to play for a top team, wants yeah. to win the league, wants to win the Champions League, especially play with a player like Cristiano Ronaldo. And we even see it at Barca wanting to play with Frankie de Jong and wanting to play with Lionel Messi. But it just seems like we can be a little bit harsh to players sometimes. And it's, sometimes it's not that we blame them because they're the face, but there's always a darker, yeah. darker person yeah. behind them. And that's what, it, yeah. th- this, that's what yeah. all these issues seem to be. It always just goes back to the agent. Yes. I completely, you know, agree with what you both sort of alluded to there. But uh, just on the football in front there, uh, with regards to Pogba and uh, and his potential move, where would he go? Because I'm looking at Real Madrid, who's quite cash strapped, and Christian Eriksen probably represents a cheaper alternative if they want a midfielder. You look at Barcelona, and they're sort of they've just brought Griezmann in. It looks like they're trying to find a way to get Neymar back, which might involve Coutinho going to PSG. We might come into that in a little bit uh, on the show. So that that rules out potentially two Spanish clubs. I'm not saying he wouldn't go to Real Madrid. Zidane's a big fan, but, you know, financially could be difficult. Where do you guys see him potentially going? Well, I feel like it either has to be Real Madrid or Juventus. Yes, I absolutely 100% agree, yeah. I don't think either club can afford him, but that's the only way I can see a deal going through is between one of those two clubs. What about PSG? Maybe I, I imagine they have the, the money for it, but would he want to go to PSG, I guess? Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be Juventus or Real Madrid. I think they're the two clubs that he would want to go to. I know Real Madrid have spent a lot of money. I think they, I, I, I still think they could find a way to do it. I think, and they've got enough players that they could probably give Man United, like we said, Isco or some other player um, as part of exchange. Borrow some money off the Spanish government, or something. <laughs> you know, they could do a deal with um, added, like added ask get involved. Um, added, yeah. There's always loopholes, isn't there, around these things? There is, there is. Yeah, there are different from other clubs. But I, I think the reason I see him going to Real Madrid or Juventus a bit more and not PSG is because um, it feels like he's not just desperate to leave Manchester United. It's because he wants to play with Zidane. It's because, do you know what I mean? That's why it feels like it's always been this Madrid pipeline. And it's only because you, he's been at mm. Juventus and he loves Juventus and they're in a very good place right now in terms of their squad that that seems appealing. It doesn't seem like he's wanted to jump ship otherwise. I don't know why he would have signed this massive deal that would commit to United for so long. So there's no pressure for, you know, even if it was two years left, there'd be a lot more pressure. But he has three years left on this deal. I know United probably won't want to keep him around if he doesn't want to be there because that is the sort of thing that Solskjaer has been instilling in, in the team since he's joined. But I don't know. It's, it's really baffling. I really thought he was going to stay. I'd fully sort of convinced myself that even what he said in China, it just it didn't seem real. But 
Rayola just causing more trouble. It, it just feels like United have got no choice. Yeah. You've had to have a plethora of midfielders as well, don't they? Ramsey, I think they've done a deal for Rabio. Grace Matuidi, Sammy Kadira. Exactly. So it, it seems like, I don't know, style over substance, you know, bringing in another player. I think I'll do, to be fair. Don't work hard enough, though. So uh, we'll, we'll stick with what we have. I think we'll probably see him in a white shirt by the end of the summer. I remember that Spanish clubs can buy players. They can, after the uh, English window. After our transfer window's gone. So if Man United are smart, they will get a player in before the transfer window. But are Man United smart, though, James? No, they're not. Okay. <laughs> well, there we go. They're the worst team in the top six Ooh. in terms of transfer policy. I mean, honestly, even Chelsea are better than them. Uh, I mean, Chelsea can't buy anyone. Chelsea finished third. I'm not worried about Chelsea. Oh, you know what? It's brilliant. I don't even have to make a segue. You've already brought Chelsea into the discussion because there's been... Um, there's been, <laughs> there's been um, I mean, it's a shock to everyone this week that uh, Frank Lampard just came out of the blue and was appointed. Uh, Where did that come from? I know, yeah. yeah. This was revealed exclusively, I think, on our very first podcast. So you listen to that and you you, you, you treat whatever we say from now on as gospel. So, yes. Yeah, so obviously... <laughs> You know, we, we've we talked... Ex- TNC. TNC exclusive. We talked a lot about this in our first podcast, of course. So um, we'll talk quite a bit now, maybe not quite to the extent. But James, obviously, you're the Chelsea fan here. You have these links and insights that you could give us into the club and hopefully into Lampard. We were sort of dissecting in that first um, podcast how we feel he might play. He'll be quite flexible, probably tactically, 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, etc. So just give us a summary of what you see Chelsea achieving in Lampard's first season. I think we're going to surprise some people. Are you going to win the league? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're not going to win the league. But I can see us winning something. That press conference that he did, he did win the Super Cup. That press conference was mm. hugely impressive. Um, he, he was so... As we'd expect, I think. He's a very, very... Yeah. Didn't articulate. Yeah, he spoke a lot of sense. Um, he didn't expect any favours. Yeah. Ambitious. I mean, if you, Chelsea fans know kind of know he was Lampard was at Chelsea thirteen years. We kind of know a bit about him as a person. Yeah, he's a Man City legend, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, Man City legend. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but he's a leader. He's a winner. He's he works very very hard. Everything. He was the guy that was always out first in training and finished last. You know, all the time. Um, and he expects hard work from everybody else. And what and the thing that's I've, that's really impressed me as well was that he said like yeah. Not coming here with any preconceived agendas about players like everyone, like he's bringing everyone back in who is kind of on the outside, the Lone Army Academy. Danny Drinkwater. Danny Drinkwater. Yeah, he wants to see all of them, and if he, he sees they've got the right attitude, if they're working hard. Kurt Zuma actually could be interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I think Kurt Zuma's going to be a, become a key player this year. But uh, yeah, so if you've got the right attitude, you work hard. Um, obviously, you've got to have the ability as well. Then he'll give you an opportunity. Um, and he wants to use players, you know, he wants to, to use the players maybe who've been ignored because he's not he's not just going to do what Sorry didn't say, right, you don't fit with my philosophy, therefore you're out. I'm not even going to talk to you about it. Um, he's going to give people a chance to prove themselves, you know, and we've got seven pre-season friendlies, so there's plenty of chance for everyone to prove themselves. And again, like you say, he's tactically flexible. He'll, he'll adapt to what he has, he'll adapt to the opposition. As opposed to the other way around. Sarri was more, you adapt to me or you're gone, and Lampard's more... Well, Lampard doesn't really have a choice, I guess, because he has a transfer yes. ban and this is what he has. You know, and, and what, what was great this week as well is kind of, just as it was coming out, Lampard was appointed, you had the news that 
Loftus Cheek's going to sign a five-year contract. Hudson Adore's going to sign a five-year contract. Mason Mount's going to sign a long-term contract. And they're looking at getting Reese James, who I've talked about before. And I think we'll be talking about a lot this season. Um, they're going to get him on a long-term deal. Um, all these players now want to commit because of him. Um, the academy players now, like there's one academy player called uh, Castillo. He's a very promising kind of, he's a left fullback or left winger. He was going to leave. He's, he was out of contract. Changed his mind um, and decided to stay because of Lampard and because he's worked with Jacob Mark. It'll be such a shame when he gets sacked within four <laughs> months and they bring like... Oh, I thought that was so sad. That would be... They bring Big Sam in. Oh, no, Big Sam. Jason from relegation. Eddie signs Andy Carroll on the, on the four-year deal. If I was a Chelsea fan, I, I would be so excited actually for the new season just because of how everything's sort of falling into place with the with the transfer ban with Frank Lampard coming in like a, a former legend, your top goal scorer, like someone. Oh, it's all falling into the place with the transfer ban. <laughs> He's the best person to be in charge. I, I agree. If I was a Chelsea fan, I would be so excited. I've not seen the Chelsea fan base this optimistic, positive, united since last season. Ahead of ahead of a new season for no for about ten, oh, for a long time. This is the most excited I've been about a season since two thousand and four. What about when Mourinho came back? Yeah, that was close. That was close. But this, I mean, this is it's, it's strange because we've got a transfer ban, but you wouldn't think about it. Think that because the mood of the fans is so optimistic. You know, it's so positive, and the, the fans want the academy players to get a chance. They're not going to Chelsea fans are quite loyal to people who are who they trust. So the reason they booed Mauricio Sarri wasn't because of the results. It was because they, they didn't feel like he connected with the fan base or made any effort to. He didn't. It's because they were horrible, horrible people. And they, didn't, they didn't like him and they didn't respect him. Whereas Lampard, I think we could get relegated with Lampard and it wouldn't make any difference. They would still cheer for him. Oh, no, I'm telling you. They, okay. like, you know, obviously, they wouldn't. Yeah. You know, but obviously, they'd be upset at the results, obviously. but To be fair, Jay, this is a slight segue because I love the man, but I, I'm not really sure. I know he, he was brilliant in his first season, but how was the relationship? This is only like in 20 seconds. Were the Chelsea fans ever like turning on Antonio Conte the way they did on Maurizio Sarri? Because I thought he was a don. Not in, not in the same way. Not quite where the same, was it? He really did connect with the fans, didn't he? Yeah, he did, especially in his first season. And Oh. There was a lot of empathy with him in, in that like he wasn't backed mm. in the way he wanted Lukaku and Sanchez and Sandro and all these players and didn't get them. But the, the thing, the frustration that Chelsea fans had with Antonio Conte was that he kind of downed tools in February. Yeah, I recognise that. I'm just happy that they didn't turn on him completely because he was just, I mean, who doesn't love a manager that runs into the, sta- runs into the fans yeah, exactly. and hugs him? And I think people still respect him more than they respect Mauricio Sarri. I like them both, James. I like them both. Apples and oranges. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was really upset with Conte for a long time, but I've kind of forgiven him a bit now because of... 95 points in his first season. Is it 95 points? Yeah. Crikey. Yeah, he did. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that first season was great. That was a great season. While we're talking about Chelsea, a bit of breaking yes. news. Uh, Alvaro Morata has uh, been confirmed. Um, may be made permanent at Atletico Madrid. I mean, that was inevitable, wasn't oh, it? That's a great, that's great for Chelsea. Like, I mean, you've got to give, like, honestly, you've got to give credit to Maria Granasky. She's got 130 million for Hazard. She's got 10 million for Maurizio Sarri, and now she's got all our money back on our Morata because they paid about 8 million in a loan fee, and now they're paying 50 million in the transfer fee. So, um, for, he was a, he was, to be honest, he was a complete flop. But we've got all our money back for him. You know, Chelsea have made 150 million in transfer. Inevitable sale as well, wasn't it? Inevitable sale, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 150 yeah, I mean. million that they can't spend. Well, I can spend it next summer. It was 93 points as well. I just double-checked, 93. Not quite the 95, but still very impressive, yeah. actually, considering you know that, uh, considering how that season started. 
90, yeah, 95. Yeah, 93 in Conte's first. But still, you know, fair play, Don Conte. Anyway, that's just my loving with Antonio. And obviously, we've just... Well, the Morata thing, it doesn't... I don't think it needs to... I think it do, I watched him for Atletico, actually. And we'll come back to Lampard in a second. Uh, this is just a little diversion. But I, I watched Morata play one or two games for Atletico. I thought he looked a different player, looked a lot more confident, looked like he wanted to be there a lot more. I think he's actually genuinely not a bad player. I remember when he first came to Chelsea, his movement was excellent. I always thought his movement in and around the box was brilliant. One of the best movers in the league. He used to get into brilliant positions. Defenders couldn't live with him. And towards the start of his Chelsea career, I thought he, you know, he was chipping in with quite a few goals and assist contributions. But then it sort of, I think it's whatever happened, his confidence just sort of died down. And he couldn't hit a barn door then, could he? After you know, his initially good start. No, he's a confidence player, and once his confidence went, that was it. And um. Yeah, it just it kind of went downhill from there, and then he stopped. But it wasn't just that; it was then he stopped trying, and he was kind of moaning about leaving, and yeah, he was kind of make, blaming things on everybody else, and like it was just really sour. Sour, yeah. It turned, I mean, if he continued like he did in the first six months, yeah, he'd probably still be there. But yeah, it just didn't. It just didn't work out. And the signs aren't good. You know, it does look like he's. I mean, Costa's actually the one, ironically, that's not doing quite as well at Atletico at the moment, isn't he? So, you know, uh, and everyone's going, oh, no. Ant- I mean, he did deal with it quite badly with the text, but still, Costa was like a ticking time, but wasn't he at the best of times? So, I mean, he, he, you know, you could yes. never... He wanted to go to China, didn't he, in that in that season before, in the January? Yes, he did. And it was, it was, there was literally a coincidence because, well, it, it wasn't a coincidence. It was like he was playing really mm. well, right? Yeah, yeah, Scoring yeah. loads of goals in really good form. The link to China came, and the next game, from the next game onwards, he started playing appallingly. And he played appallingly for most of the rest of the season. And it was, you know, because his head had been turned, he didn't want to be there anymore. And then he goes on strike and, you know, and parties in an Atletico Madrid shirt while he's still registered to Chelsea. And people people said that was Antonio Conte's fault. I know he, he could have dealt with it a little bit better with the text, but there was a lot more to it than simply, you know. And then when he left and he had the audacity to say, oh, I, I would have, you know, happily played on at Chelsea. Come on, come on. <laughs> As you just alluded to. Anyway, anyway, we're going on to diversions. Back to the task at hand. I know the Morata thing was breaking news. Breaking news on TNC, as uh, you know, as as we like to do. But back to uh, back to Lampard. So so famed for. I know, yeah. But back to Lampard. Just to, I'll, I'll bring you in uh, now, Deck. I would say that just as sort of to play devil's advocate. So this is what maybe you've been very positive so far. So this is a Chelsea team without Eden Hazard, which is obviously the best player. It meant that whenever you know he need. I think he put his best numbers in terms of goals and assists. I think that last season was his best in the Chelsea shirt uh, for Maurizio Sarri. So whenever the tactics or the team weren't quite at it or they were, you know, the system didn't quite deliver the goods in terms of chances and opportunities for goals, Eden Hazard would come and probably bail them out more on many occasions, which obviously contributed to their third finish in the league and the trophy that they won in the Europa League. Yes. Uh, so there'll be no Eden Hazard now. So that means that Lampard, even though he'll probably be more tactically flexible than Sarri was, he won't have that get out of jail free card. Of Hazard, which will be a shame. No, but one more thing just before you both come in. <laughs> this is a very, you know, this is a very inexperienced manager, unlike Sarri. You know, he's had one year at this, and this was with a Derby squad that probably doesn't have the egos and sort of previous toxicity, I guess, that, that the Chelsea dressing room has. This dressing room has been difficult for Sarri, Antonio Conte, and Jose Mourinho beforehand. Uh, so there are certain. Whether that's down to ego, whether that's down to the fact that they know that the chairman's probably is so trigger happy that they can dictate the manager's future with a click of a finger. So looking at it from the other side, the no Hazard thing 
is that going to have as big an effect as everyone imagines? It probably will do. And is the ego in the dressing room going to be a difficult one for Lampard to take on in only his second year of his managerial career? I, don't, I honestly don't think so that much. Obviously, we didn't see it as an issue at Derby, but like you said, because they're probably players with, with not as big as egos as what he'll probably encounter as Chelsea manager. But it does sort of have that clean slate feel with Frank Lampard coming in charge at Chelsea, with the transfer ban, with a lot of really positive youth players at the moment. It does feel like we won't see that same toxicity. And maybe it is just built into Chelsea at the moment and it will come back and it will derail everything. But it doesn't, I'm not getting that feeling from, from the club and from mm. how fans feel and how they're just sort of running themselves quite well at the moment, considering they are, they do have a transfer ban and they have just lost their best, best player in Eden Hazard, who for me, as well as a season without Van Dijk having such an incredible mm. season, I'd probably put him as player of the year for last year for me, just ahead of Raheem Sterling. Bernardo Silva as well. Very good. Exactly. A proper, like we see in America, an MVP, where he was Chelsea's most valuable player. Without him, they they came nowhere near Champions League place. They came nowhere near winning the Europa League. It it was all through Eden Hazard. So replacing him is going to be difficult, but I I don't see it as a massive negative. Just because they have so many good players still either coming back from loan or already at the club yeah. that might be given a bigger chance now under Lampard. And you've got, I think, yeah, I mean, Callum Hudson-Odoi is going to have a breakout year this year on the left-hand side. We saw him on the right-hand side last year. Chelsea fans who watched him through the academy know his best position is on the left. He is incredible on the left. He's a totally different player to Eden Hazard because he's a much more traditional winger than Hazard is. But he will get goals and assists this year. I'm absolutely sure of that. So will Christian Pulisic. Um, exactly. I think William will do better when Hazard's not. Well, William plays better on the left, doesn't he? Yeah, and he plays better when Hazard isn't there as well. Um, I think he's, he feels like he can come out of his shell a bit. Um, he's not because when Hazard is playing, there's a tendency to just give it to Hazard because he can do something. It's usually a good policy, though, isn't it? Yeah, but it is. But it means that other players kind of withdraw into themselves a little bit. I have to say, sorry, James. As a neutral, yeah. I would love to see a front three next season of Hudson Odoi on the left. Christian Pulisic on the right and Tammy Abraham down the middle. What do you think of that? I think you may well see that. See, I think Olivier Giroud might be better set up to be the main striker this season. But again, that's what opinions are for. That's why he's in pre-season as well. I think he may be. Is it? I think, I think Chelsea may have three, may keep all three because Lampard has played with two strikers up front before. So, um, And Michi Batshuayi has a good chemistry with Christian Pulisic. Yeah, that's true. From when he was at Dortmund. And his way of playing fits with the way Lampard wants to play. He's a poacher. He gets in the area, scores goals. That's what Lampard likes to have in strikers. And Tammy Abraham's the same. And I'm torn between them. I love to, I think Tammy Abraham probably edges it because he's a Chelsea Academy player, because he's never really got, got a chance, because you know he gets the club. He's got that extra connection to the club, I think, and really wants to succeed. But I'm just excited to see these players that haven't really had a chance. Mm-hmm to prove themselves, who are not bad players, to actually get an opportunity. And to see people like, it won't be just hudson Adoy this year, you'll see... Ross Barkley. Yeah, Ross Barkley, I think, will do better under Lampard, um, who's his idol, by the way. Of course he is. Mason Mount will get a chance to play in the first team regularly. Lampard loves him, especially with with uh, Loftus-Cheek injured. Yeah, this will be Mason Mount's opportunity. Reese James will... Who's that, James? Who's Reese James? Yeah, I've never heard of Reese James before, James. <laughs> I'm going to go on about him. Like, If you ask Chelsea fans who've seen him, and they'll tell you, uh, most Chelsea fans know who this kid is. He won Youth Player of the Year last year, not Hudson-Odoi. You know, um, 
Danny Morris said, like, I could play him anywhere on the mm. pitch and he would do a job. Although, to be fair, I mean, Aspilicueta, Aspilicueta's also, I know he didn't have his best season last year, but still a very, you know, able option at right oh, back, yeah. you know, very good defensively at least. Uh, maybe not quite as good going forward, but even then he still contributes with a few goals and assists. So at least there is that element of maybe the rotation that could occur there. It's not like the pressure's completely on Reese James to come in and just take seize the, seize the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, Lampard will ease him in, but he will play him if he deserves to play. Um, he won't hesitate to... And I think actually there's a, there's a chance that Aspilicueta yeah. might go over to left back. He did play there, didn't he, for a while under, under Mourinho? Yeah, he was very good there, actually, because he's going to be the captain, I think, as Pelicueta. He deserves it. He fully deserves it. Yeah, he does. He absolutely does. I think Chelsea fans love him as well. And he's a proper Chelsea person. He's become really ingratiated with the club and... So I think the thing you see with Aspilicueta is that I don't think Chelsea over the last 10 years, 10, 15 years, have had many bargains or like very good deals that they've stuck with a player and really built him in. And Aspilicueta is yeah. the perfect example. I think they paid 14 million. No, seven, seven million it was. Seven, yeah, like that's the bargain. The player that he's become, the true leader in that squad. I mean, is- he's right up there with uh, Bakayoko for value for money, I think, as far as, as, far as Chelsea go. But what, what, no, what I would say... <laughs> We've talked quite a bit on Chelsea, so two quick fire final questions for you both. So, I w- James, I was in the process yeah. before we got the TNC breaking news with Morata of how do you see Chelsea doing this <laughs> season? So give me a prediction of where their best finish and worst finish would be quickly. I think the best finish will be probably fourth. Yeah, I think we can challenge for fourth place. Worst case scenario, I think we'll finish sixth with the squad that we have, with the youth that we have. With Lampard, his man management skills, motivational skills, he will build a great team spirit there. Uh, I think, yeah, top six comfortably, top four, I think possibly. Okay, Dex, for you? I, I, I actually fully agree with James. I, I, I think I'll change my, my worst case and I think you'll probably just finish outside of the Europe places. I agree. I think seventh is worst case. If you go badly to begin with, I think yeah. the start is going to be crucial. I think you've got a really important first game against Manchester United there. It's a draw all over that though, isn't it? That's a 1-1. It's a 1-1. I feel like uh, he's got a, a really good chance and I do think he can get in the Champions League places and, and really get up there and challenge Man City and Liverpool. But... Uh, I think worst case, definitely like a sort of seventh, eighth finish, which was, I don't think is the end of the world, considering the position they're in. And it's a new, a new fresh manager with a transfer back. He's got time and he needs to be given time. Just one more uh, concern, actually, before we move completely on from Chelsea. Is there a danger that uh, Kepper Ariza Balaga sees himself as the manager next season? Lampard. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I don't know. Potentially. Anyway, no, we're not. We're not even. Don't entertain that with an answer. You know, we're, we're trying to be efficient with time. On to another. I didn't time. know you were funny, John. <laughs> this is the first episode No, don't be ridiculous. I try every week. This is just the first time it's worked. We're going to move on to another different top four person, different top four team right now because we've done a lot on Chelsea, and I want to talk a bit about Arsenal, who I genuinely think. Again, it's weird because you can, I can for some reason see Arsenal getting that fourth place still if they can sort of sort of a few things out. At the same time, I can see them capitulating to something like eight. It's that crazy. And I genuinely can see this. The reason I say maybe they can get fourth is because, again, as I've told you, I think it's the probably the weakest battle for fourth in years, apart from the top three. I know you two may disagree because you have affiliations with certain other clubs that we, you know, uh, United and Chelsea, of course. I don't even like football, Johnny. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. That's, that's fine. Right. Anyway, back. Back to Arsenal before um, you know we talk about where people are going to finish and whatnot. 
I feel really sorry for Unai Emery. I feel really sorry for him because I feel like he's an adaptable manager and he does the best he can with what he has. And I think last season, uh, what he had wasn't good enough, but he still managed to deliver a, a respectable... I, at one point, I thought they'd get the fourth position. If they got fourth position, I remember Gary Neville saying, Emery should get manager of the year because what that would be an unbelievable achievement with a pretty average squad. He would have done incredibly well. They, they didn't quite get that. And this season, he's lost, in my opinion, his best player in Ramsey. And that might cause a bit of debate because people are going to say Aubameyang or Lacazette, who are also very good. But I think he's lost his best player in Ramsey on a free. They haven't got a replacement in. There aren't really too many names that have been thrown out as his replacement. They have a budget of £40 million, which is minuscule in comparison to many of their other rivals. They're linked with a, a defender, Saliba. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And his club want him back. You know, they want if, if they sign him, they want him back on loan. Otherwise, they won't sanction the sale for him. So, I mean, that's not good, is it? That's the centre-back that's supposed to strengthen the, the rear guard at the back. They target, he's supposedly going to go, if they sign him, to go back on loan to his parent club, or to his old club, sorry. It's crazy, isn't it? It's, it's absolutely it's, He's 18 at the end of the day. It doesn't, it's not a bad thing no. going back on loan. No, it's not. It's just... But they need players. They need yeah, players yeah. because they're in danger of capitulation. I feel like every club, you know, has become, I mean, I think Chelsea, when they finished 10th, you know, I, that wasn't necessarily foreseeable but it was quickly after a few games you thought this is there's something not right here Emery's a good manager I don't necessarily think he'll lose the dressing room to an extent but I just look at those players and think you know you look at Leicester and Everton if they bring one or two players in you think that's as good as the Arsenal yeah. squad if I was an Arsenal fan I'd be so depressed right now really yeah. like, you hear about this £45 million transfer budget and when they make a £40 million bid for Zahar £8 million a year it was going to be paid in instalments £8 million a year yeah I mean are you joking it's like I mean it's just like that's when you think about the, when you think about Wambasaka went for £50 million and he's a fullback yeah what possesses Arsenal to think that, that Palace are going to even remotely consider? It's the £40 million and one pound again, isn't it? Yes. With, with, with Suarez. The, their owner is, is like, I mean, honestly. Yeah. But I, I can see why it's happening because you look at Arsenal and they're owned by an American called Stan Kroenke who owns the Los Angeles Rams in America in the NFL. And they're having a brand new stadium being purpose-built in, in LA. This is good insight, Dave. We, we, we aren't aware of this. That's why I can see that there is less and less money. And that's this issue of owning multiple teams and putting money in the right place. But that stadium is costing a lot of money. And I can see why that maybe is why the transfer budget is quite small for Arsenal. Because you look at Arsenal and be like, they're a top six team. They've got to have great revenue. They've got a very, very popular fan base um, that's surely making the money. But still, there doesn't seem to be any transfer budget. And that's the only thing I can sort of explain it with is that Stan Kroenke is just putting money in his preferred teams because LA Rams made the Super Bowl last year. They're a successful team. So you can see him maybe prioritising a team um, over Arsenal. And I think that's why some fans really want to deliver that sort of Kroenke out message because they get a bit straighted up. Yeah. I mean, the two strikers are top, top level, aren't they? I mean, Lacazette and Aubameyang. And the reason I say Ramsey was the better player is because I think you can actually probably replace those kind of, you can get those yeah. kind of like-for-like strikes. But there's nothing wrong with those. Both of them are, they have a really good relationship on and off the field. Brilliant finishers. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the strike force. That is, that's, you know, I think most clubs in the, Europe would take on Lacazette or Aubameyang as their strikers and, and Arsenal have the, have the luxury of having both of them. And then you've got the enigma that's Ozil, who on his day is unbelievable. There's not enough of those days. In terms of his defensive contributions or system 
working hard in the systems, it's kind of non-existent. So you've got a bit of a £300,000 a week luxury. I don't want to go on a rant about wages again, because everyone that we all are all in the same boat, aren't we, with stupid wages being given to, to people when they shouldn't necessarily be given. I think that's we see that with Ozil. That's why Ramsey probably left, because there wasn't enough to give Ramsey. Aside from that, let's go back a bit. Yes, yeah, Shaka can pick some nice passes. And to be fair, he's probably one of Arsenal's better midfielders. But there's not a lot, is there? There's not a lot. No, not. Behind those front two, the defence is painfully average. I mean, the fact that Mustafi's playing a lot of games, you know, practically almost week in, week out last season, and he's the accident everyone knows is waiting to happen, and he's still in that team. Koscielny, probably, well, he's on the wrong side of 30 now, and he's clearly not in his prime or as good as he used to be, and he's still finding his way into the team. You know, Socrates... Didn't do too bad last season, but was bought from Dortmund as a player who Dortmund felt had seen his best years or, or wasn't quite the player that he was. So I think you've summed it up, James. I think depressing is the word. And Kevin's in the final year, I think. Is it, was it, he got a two-year deal. What, what can he do? What can he do? I've got no idea what he can do. To... If he pulls a rabbit out of a hat and gets fourth, he deserves knighthood, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, f- fair enough. Honestly, I think they're, they're, the, they're the two in the top six that are most at risk of dropping out the dropping top out six. Of, dropping out the top six. You wouldn't be honestly. surprised, would you? Unless there are a better-run club than Arsenal. Much better. And I think they've, they've actually got a good squad. They're adding players. They're making clever signings. They've got a good manager. I wouldn't be surprised if... Of Arsenal at the moment. And I think the worst thing is, you're getting a season ticket at the Emirates. It's about £1,000, isn't it? You know, it's about £1,000. And then I've had the fortune of going on a few Man City games because I've got people who, you know, support the team. The way they treat their fans is incredible. As well as the football that they see, you know, you go you go to a, you go to a game at the Etihad. The fan service is brilliant. They have pre-match punditry with some ex-City player or whatever. They have pre-match games that go on in City Fan Square where everyone sort of goes, they get a, they get a pint, they, 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 get, they partake in sort of pre-match games outside the stadium. You go in the stadium, it's lovely, brilliant stadium. You witness some of the best, well, the best football in the country. And that, the pricing at City, it, well, I know it's it's not London pricing, so it's in Manchester, but it dwarfs that of Arsenal or any of, of the clubs like that. I actually think it's cheaper to get a ticket at City than sometimes it is at Burnley, depending on what price you get. So you look at value for money, and, then, and and that's what makes me. That's what upsets me the most. I think when you look at Arsenal, and, you know, teams like in London and such. I mean, Spurs probably getting a good deal at the moment because I mean, you know, their stadium is whoa beautiful, and they are going up in the world. But you know, imagine paying a thousand, being an Arsenal fan, and seeing what they're doing now. Your best players just gone. Your transfer dealings, potential transfer dealings, are looking bleak. You say that about Tottenham, but um, I feel like Arsenal had the same sort of feeling when the Emirates had yeah. just been built. And they moved out of yeah. It was that same sort of burst. Yeah, no, I know. I just feel for them, though, because it's ever since that, isn't it? It's been a decline because they couldn't, they couldn't invest in the team. Wenger declined himself in terms of his managerial capabilities. And the budget since Wenger's left has dropped again. It's dropped again. Yeah. I didn't think it could drop, but it's dropped again, you know. And Emery's been treated a little bit like... Well, he's like a puppet on strings, isn't he, I think? He, he'll do whatever the board yeah. wants him to do. I, f- I feel like that with Solskjaer, to be honest with you. A, li- a little bit, a little bit. You know, he'll do what the board tell him to do. The board will dictate his... You know, he's, on, he's in the second year of his contract. I won't be surprised if he left for free after this year. I don't know what the board expected to do, but... I think it entirely depends on the performance of the team. I guess so. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he'll stay. No. Um, I wouldn't no. if I was him. No. It should be worth noting, he's used to these models as the head coach, Emery, and that's why they got him on board. But if the people above him, I mean, I had Gazidis, didn't they, uh, not too long ago, and he's now gone. And he was one of the... To Milan. Yeah, and he was one of the head recruitment people. So he would be able to sort of scout hidden talents or scout people for bargains and things like that. So he's now gone. 
Yeah. So that's not that's not helpful, I guess. But that group of people above Emery, I mean, at Severe, it worked wonders. You know, they found people who suited his style. They brought him in. They did well. At PSG, it was a bit different. You know, it, that's what I mean on the flip side, that he did have money there and some of his signings were questionable, albeit not Kylian Mbappe. I think it was more it was more to do with the ego. I think he's better at the slightly less ego-driven club. Yes, yes. That's All those little egos that are... I, I was a big fan of what he did at Sevilla. At Sevilla, he was excellent, you know, and I think it almost like... And Arsenal's not too dissimilar, I guess. I don't think it quite has that top-level... I mean, you could say Ozil, but I don't think he's a troublemaker, really. In fact, he's quite quiet off the field, really. It's just he's been given a massive amount of money per week. And, you know, he's not really justifying that too much. And it's hard for Emery because he's not really a system player, is he? You build a team around Ozil and they've tried to and it kind of works and kind of doesn't. And with Emery, he wants to build a system kind of that's combative defensively, that they can push forward together, they come back together. And Ozil doesn't really fit that system. But that's what I mean. The only time a team's ever built around Urza was when he was at Werder Bremen before the the Real Madrid move. And that worked perfectly in the Bundesliga um, at the time because he was just coming up. No one really knew about him and they played to his strengths. I feel like Arsene Wenger tried it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's probably the most success we actually ever saw from it, Urza. And now, ever since, it's been these little flashes where it's like, oh, he's the player, he's still got it. And then he goes 10 games and he disappears. Yeah, absolutely. But on the topic, I mean... You better deliver a good segue now. It does, it does, it does, yeah. What we're talking about then, though, I was talking about a comparison between City and Arsenal and City being like this really good, brilliant fan service or whatever. So, segue off of that. And they're doing some pretty decent business, aren't they? We are talking about Cancelo last week. That didn't happen, but Rodri did. Mm. And they buy out close 62.4 million. Really uh, exciting signing for them. There's your replacement for Fernandinho. Do you know what I mean? Fernandinho yeah. has been the best defensive mids in, in the Premier League and they knew he was coming towards the end and they found a perfect replacement. Well, we were saying it on last week's yeah. or the week before's podcast. It'll be like, you can imagine them sharing a, like a 50-50, 60-40 kind of minutes to ratio exactly. because Fernandinho is clearly not over the hill just yet. But Rodri's still got to acclimatise to English football as good as he is and he's very good. Yeah. You know, you still need that uh, bedding in period. And what better person to have to sort of shadow a little bit in your first season than Fernandinho, exactly, one of the exactly. best defensive midfielders in the past few years? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I think it's a fantastic signing. Again, my Man City are just doing the business again. They're just so efficient, effective, get the job done. No, I feel like we mentioned Rodri really heavily last time. And it... We did. That's why we're just sort of touching on it. Yeah, That's what I mean. I feel like we just saw how positive of a player he and hopefully it'll be quality for City and, and we'll, um, we'll fill in that Fernandinho role really well and we'll see them play maybe even better together. It, I think it's a positive thing. We've said how efficiently City seem to be. They've, they've noticed something, they need a replacement and they've bought it. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that's... Yeah, there's not much to it. If you want to listen to what we said about Rodri, we had a big tactical breakdown last week. So uh, we could skedaddle back onto that podcast. You know, we're, we're all about the links on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we, can promote, we can promote our own previous work. But two other mentions, uh, obviously Cancelo hasn't gone through. Maybe that's died down a little bit. I, at the time, actually thought, you know, it, it would be, it'd improve City as a club, it'd improve City on the pitch, but maybe it wasn't as necessary as Rodri because, you know, they've still got Danilo who hasn't gone yet. You know, Walker's still a very formidable right back in that position. Yeah, um, and it fully, I actually saw today that um, it seems Juan Condrado is going to move to China. So that sort 
sort of that right side, they're sort of going to re- have to rely on Cancelo next season. So yeah. that seems to sort of slam the door, if, if especially yeah. if Quadrado does move. I don't, I don't think Man City will look at it and think, oh, we've missed out, like they would have missed out on Rodri. No. I feel like it was maybe a, a sort of, maybe an icing on the top of the cake almost. But one thing, I'll, I'll throw this to you, James. They were linked with Nathan Ake this week as a full centre-back. Uh, yeah. Cheaper than Maguire. Yeah. Probably does look like the full centre-back. But then again, if Otamendi leaves, then, you, you know, you see him playing even more minutes, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Quite, a, I mean, you used to play for Chelsea. Of Did he? Academy player, yeah. Were you ever a big fan? I am a big fan. We had a buyout, buyback clause this summer. Yeah. I think that there was a lot of say, a lot of talk that if we hadn't had the transfer ban, mm. we may well have bought him. Mm. Do you know what the fee was there? It was, uh, well, the buyback clause was, was about 40 million. We sold him for 20 million. So effectively, we'd be getting for 20 million. But I think he's a guy that fits with the way City like to play. He's got a good attitude. He works hard. He's good on the ball. He's actually a good defender. People don't realise that he's a good defender. He can play in a number of positions. He's intelligent. He's a guy that would learn and improve under Pep Guardiola, for sure. Is he worth half the price of Harry Maguire? Oh, yes. Definitely. If they get it for 40 million, that's an excellent deal. I mean, it really is. I think it's more speculation at this point, And I think there, there, there'll probably be a few names in the house. Somewhere else it said they were going to rival United's bid for Maguire. I don't think they will do myself, but I can't see it. They're a bit too sensible. Quick question to you two. Do you think United will sign Harry Maguire? I think if Harry Maguire signs, I think it's going to start, it's either a butterfly or domino effect. So um, one of those two. But it's going to start that effect because I think that that will then signal them to go for James Tarkovsky or potentially Lewis Dunk but I think probably James Tarkovsky suits Leicester more and because of the inflation with Harry Maguire I think that'll inflate Tarkovsky's uh, sort of fee that's true well, I think that 40 million was sort of being suggested though I personally think see Tarkovsky 25 30 in, in that region but because Maguire who I'd probably see maybe at 60 at, probably at most given yeah. his homegrown status is that what it is that's what it's called yeah homegrown status yeah <laughs> so given that and that's going to add 20 on I feel like they'll probably add another 10 15 on Tarkovsky's price maybe and if they went for Lewis Dunk probably similar yeah we're linked yeah. with both of those but yeah I think United I was just curious what you guys would and I don't think it'd be too bad because I don't think the problem with United as I say is, is the is the hefty fee transfer fees it's the hefty wages if they get Maguire in for a hefty fee but give him 100,000 a week then you're not saying oh that's crazy wages and you've got a sustainable structure there I don't think hefty fees are as bad as hefty wages because it's easier to get rid of those hefty fee mistakes yes you'd be making it a loss but you can get rid of them whereas if you've got mm. them on heavy wages alexis sanchez you kind of stuck with them you know when you don't want to be stuck with them because no club wants and instantly instantly harry Maguire is an instant upgrade yeah do you know what i mean so that's why it sort of seems worth it even though it's a silly number yeah no harry Maguire and lindelof's a very good partnership i think in the making lindelof just wants i think that would excite a lot of united fans yeah as much as they think the price is silly mm. i think if you look at it just like lindelof and Maguire, mm. if they can stay fit for a whole season yeah that's the quality back too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite funny, actually. Well, it wouldn't be funny if he if he turned up on day one and he'd got a, he was out for the season with a leg break or something. That would just oh. be horrendous, wouldn't it? We're not, we don't want that to happen. I'm just saying it would be <laughs> tragic, you know, with any big name player, big money player, sorry, if that actually did happen or, or materialise. Yeah, I've got a feeling if Man City won't pay for Maguire, which they probably won't, if they don't, if they do, then you'll go to City. Oh, yeah, yeah. He wants to go to... I think he'd prefer to go to City. Yeah. Um, well, who wouldn't right yeah. now? But I think if, if it gets to kind of towards deadline day and Man City and Man United still haven't got their certain about that they want, um, and they and if they really, really want Maguire, then they'll just pay up for him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, especially if Pogba goes as well because they'll have money. 
Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you could get Maguire and Fernandez, uh, Fernandez for the price of Pogba, yep. which is a really good deal, actually, because they're both a very good player. They're both yeah. upgrades. Like, they've both got better attitudes. You know, they're both... Well, I think that that will that that would be a very good deal for yeah. you. No, anyway, uh, final part of the show. We're going to sort of round up some of the other ones. Uh, well, a few topics: uh, Leicester City, Newcastle, Sheffield United. I'm, I'm going to make it quick. Fire. Potentially, I, I've not worked that out <laughs> in my head yet. Not not at the moment. Not at the moment. Yeah, come quick on. fire round. No, there's an important there's an important part here. Actually, I, I'd like to discuss the Newcastle situation and the and, and Leicester getting uh, Iosi Perez. Now, when this broke, actually, thirty million pound. I thought initially, I thought that's not not a bad deal for Newcastle. I think he's one of those players who works very hard. He always contributes with quite a few goals. I always think maybe not quite as consistent as it could be, but as people said on Twitter, that could be well down to the fact Newcastle are a pragmatic <laughs> team. It can be hard to play as an attacking player in that team. That was quite a lot of money. But at the same time, I thought, you know, Leicester paying quite a bit, but he could be quite good. He could be quite useful, almost like... I think it's a, a good deal, sorry, a good deal for both. Do you know what I mean? It sort of just makes sense for both teams and I can sort of see why Newcastle have sold yeah. him, even though he's been one of their better performers. The only sort of issue Newcastle fans have, really, is that is that he was a fan. You know, fans did, did take to him quite a lot. They did like him a lot. And if he goes... Well, he has gone. So he's gone. £30 million. Where's that going to go? Is that going to go into Mike Ashley's back pocket? Or are they only going to spend £10 million of it? Because that really needs to be spent across the whole squad because it's looking threadbare. No Rondon, no Ayosi Perez. You're losing your two top goal scorers from last season. Are Newcastle getting relegated next season? That's the question. Mm. If they don't spend money... No manager as well. No manager. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think I think they're in real trouble because they, what manager is going to want to go go there and work with Mike Ashley? Steve, bring Steve McLaren back. What decent manager. <laughs> and second, what player is going yeah. to want to go there? I mean, it's a toxic club, you know, with... Um, and there's no and Benitez can't attract. Well, I don't think Ashley wants to get anyone have to pay for any manager. So I think he'll be probably looking along the lines of those that are out of work. To be fair, yeah, I've seen a rumor just now linking him to Kike, Kike Sanchez. He used to be at oh Watford. What about Big Sam? I quite like. Flo- oh, that would be so brutal, wouldn't it? He used to manage <laughs> Newcastle, of course. So uh, if he that uh, would be uh, that'd be tragic, really, actually. But no, I worry for them. Actually, I know you say what manager would want to manage. Them. I mean, let's look at it. Fifty-two thousand, huge stadium a lot of heritage at the club if you're out of work you're going to take up the offer I think 100% yeah, I think you're, going to, yeah. you're going to take that there's a lot worse places you could go a great challenge as well yeah, I don't think it's a difficult challenge but there is something tantalising about managing Newcastle just, like I say a club with such heritage but at the moment you'd say you know that heritage isn't really counting for much I guess but for Leicester just to go back I think that will help them a lot I, I, I say I think they may have overpaid slightly but player that could I'd look at him maybe potential regular or squad player who can come in and, and come off the bench he reminds me a bit of Okazaki actually he works really hard not the most flashy of players but he get, he, he's a nuisance and, he, and he's quite a good I mean the, towards the end of last season he was banging goals in left right and centre for Newcastle he could be you know off Jamie Vardy or feeding off Jay or off the left or the right he's quite versatile he played in a number of positions for Newcastle you know feeding off James Madison's balls because Vardy's the main threat isn't he but often players can benefit from being the secondary runner or the secondary antagonist with defenders preoccupied with Vardy you know Iosi Perez could have a bit of joy couldn't he at, Newca- uh, at Leicester sorry more than he had a pragmatic Newcastle that played five at the back oh, 100% uh, he is definitely that second striker sort of role that we've seen from many players similar to him like he's really fast and he's got a great finish on him so I feel like that that's why I feel like it benefits both teams like the 30 million is fair and if Newcastle reinvest that in the right way that could be huge for them but that's a very big if but a Jose Perez for Leicester 
I think it's probably a little bit of an overpay, but that it, that was his release clause. I was unaware that he had a release clause. It's something that's not very popular in England, but he did have one, and that that's why that fee's been agreed. But it, it's it's a really I, I do just feel it benefits both teams, and I hope it works out for both. And I hope that for Newcastle fans' sake, anyway, that they do reinvest it in the squad and and buy a replacement. Final topic now, then final topic. I want to talk a bit about Sheffield United. They're a club that's very much in the in the mold of a Cardiff City of last season or Burnley when they first came up with Sean Dyche actually a lot of comparison there between Dyche yeah yeah they broke their um, transfer record this week to sign Luke Freeman from yes. QPR three million pounds that was their, that is their transfer record it's crazy isn't it very very good player Luke Freeman he is no I remember watching him in the FA Cup a few, quite a few years ago. I think he played for Stevenage at the time. And I thought he was like confident, only small, but not afraid to take players on. Very skillful, decent deliveries from set pieces and such. Definitely. But what I would say is that, you know, and I, I didn't really see much of him. After, I didn't really follow his career after he left Stevenage. But then I saw that he went to, um, obviously he did well at QPR. He got their player of the season last year. And that was impressive considering their plight where they were, you know, they're, they're in a bit of a mess at the moment. Now I still think recovering almost from the overabundance of yeah, and just getting the wrong kind of players in or two Mets. Tony Fernandez. I know, I know, but um, but you know this guy very talented, I, and I'm a, I, I say I'm a bit surprised because uh, you know Chris Wilder seems to probably like the players that are, you know in a similar vein to Sean Dyche, in a similar vein to Neil Warnock, the hard-working, gritty kind of players. But you do need a bit of flair in there, I guess. And, and yeah, that. and I feel like um, Luke Freeman is that sort of uh, English in between where he does have this little bit of flair to him, but he works hard. He does, yeah. When he played for Stevenage, even when he was at Bristol City, he's always been a hard worker. And even though last season we saw him score maybe more goals than assists, I feel like assists are what he really brings, especially, like you said, from set pieces. Really good on set pieces, yeah. Exactly. And that, and that those are the sort of assists that he, he does consistently get. And uh, even though last season he was more of a goal scorer, getting nine goals across the season, he's a great player. And I feel like he's just what you sort of want, it, want a promoted team because he's experienced enough, but he's still got to have that massive drive where he wants wants to perform in the Premier League and that that's what I feel football is always about he'll definitely put a shift in and hopefully he can be a really um positive player for them because like you said I do feel see a lot of comparison in Wilder and and Dyche like we said that Warnock even yeah exactly and that he will I don't think he'll change his team much from his championship side and even though a lot of people would be quick to criticize that it worked for Burnley Big time. It did. I think Burnley was slightly stronger than Sheffield United. Yes, though, yes, I, I, I agree with that. I, I would agree with that. I think Jack Yelka is a very, very. Uh, by the way, by the way, everyone, Jack Yelka signed. <laughs> <I've> just... <laughs> Um, see I did a segue yeah he was training with Burnley for a week the rumours were going round that Burnley were signing 36 year old Chagelka and the fans were not happy Johnny was about to go mental I wasn't I thought it'd be quite a good signing actually I thought you know experience know how one year deal I thought it'd be decent so I think you know going into Sheffield United I thought it was written in the stars he's returned home it was his boyhood club so you know I thought because I was saying I wouldn't be surprised if Sheffield United while he was training with I wouldn't be surprised Sheffield United came in and tried to and brought him on board. Good signing, really, because obviously they're a team without a lot of Premier League experience. 
experience and he has that in abundance he's um, certainly not what he was and I don't think he can play every single game of everything you know for the whole campaign but I think he can come in and do a job when needed and I think his, his presence around the squad will probably be uplifting won't it someone who's because that's a big name for it you know Sheffield United and I'd expect him to go into a coaching role as well after maybe a year two years yeah. he, he just seems like that sort of player that would want to yeah. want to take up that role but I, I, don't, I can't blame him for going back I'd really want if I was a footballer I'd want to play for Chris Wilder right now he seems like a very exciting manager he did a really good job when he was at Oxford United yeah. and now he's done an incredible job at Sheffield United in guiding them for the Premier League I see parallels more with Cardiff of last season. I feel like they will probably go down, but if they do go down, I feel like they'll go down fast. I never felt positive about Cardiff, but I feel a bit of positivity towards Sheffield United. I feel like there is a three million pound record fee tells you all you need to know about the challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine that they might break that again because they've been linked with Charlie Austin, actually. I'm not sure whether that... Neil, Neil Morpai as well from Brentford. That would, that, I imagine that'll be about 20 million if that goes through. So that'll smash it. Yeah, so again, I'd, I'd expect twenty million might be a bit out of that. I mean, they've only just bro- broken the three million pound threshold, so that, as I say, but I do expect them to probably break it again. However, I do get the sense that you know, like Cardiff last year, there was you. You got? Do you not get a good sense about? I thought towards the end, I thought as Brighton was slipping and slipping and slipping and slipping, I thought Cardiff could really actually, you know, grab all they needed were three points. I think they'd have been, they'd have survived. I think over Brighton, oh, definitely. I feel like it's just—it's hard to feel positive about Neil Warnock sometimes. He's a great working manager, but like, come on. I can't feel positive about any team where Neil Warnock is manager. <laughs> and, and on that note, on that note, <laughs> that bombshell. Neil Warnock. I like Neil. I like uh, Chris Wilder because um, he gets the bus, doesn't he? Still, and that's quite. <laughs> yeah, I like Chris Wilder. Yeah. What yeah, that's good managerial ship. Anyway, you know, so that, that we'll we'll wrap this up then. Uh, on Sheffield United, James Hayes, Neil Warnock, a very very Premier League heavy. Uh, it was actually, yeah, it was very heavy on Premier League. I, there hasn't obviously there was the sort of Coutinho links to PSG. I'm sure, but I'm foreshadowing because if anything develops, we can talk about that next week. Exactly, and maybe maybe we'll go a little bit more maybe European. We will. Uh, next week. Yeah, I think we'll go more European as, as time goes on because it's the, the English true. window closes. That is a very good point, James. In about a month's time, and then after that, you've got another whole a month. Whole, of, a whole other month of listening to us three. That's exactly what I, you know, Jamie took the words right out of my mouth because that's exactly what I've been planning this whole time. But anyway, that's a wrap up. Uh, I've been Johnny. You, you two have been yeah, um, Amy, myself. Yeah, you, you, you've, you've been yourselves, um, and uh, I've been the stand-up comedian. Amazing. Um, and uh, and yeah so thanks for listening everyone and uh, see you next week where Deck will probably be trying to do his best <laughs> impression of hosting but it won't be quite well enough. probably fingers crossed I'll, I'll <laughs> practice I'll practice yeah, I promise yeah. so. subscribe and see like. you everyone subscribe and like bye bye everyone <laughs>